Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in Revelation chapter 2, and today we'll be talking about the church at Thyatira. But let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we're so thankful today for your goodness, for your mercy. That's over all your works. Holy Spirit, come alongside of us to help us today. And we'll give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, verse 18. And under the angel of the church in Thyatira, right, these things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the, children, all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give to every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. All right, before we get into the word, let's just look briefly at the history of Thyatira. It was a small city. It was located well inland, about 40 miles southeast of Pergamum and 60 miles northeast of Smyrna. Now, the city lay near the Dicus, Lycus, rather, uh, which was a northern western tributary of the Hermas River. It ran through the ancient kingdom of Lydia, which kingdom in the 7th century B.C. covered all of western Asia Minor, but Today, uh, or the the time that the revelation of Jesus Christ was written, uh, Lydia had become a Roman province. Um, As a matter of fact, this ancient uh, region of Lydia is where five of the seven churches in Revelation uh, once were situated. Now, Thyatira was a thriving manufacturing center. And inscriptions have been found which give accounts of trade guilds that operated within the city. These guilds employed bakers and potters and fabric manufacturers uh, of of apparel, weavers, uh, the chief manufacturer of dyes and dyed cloth. Uh, In modern uh, Turkey, the the notable dyed cloth that came from this area uh, was called Turkish red, and it's made from a plant which grows in the area. Now, every tradesman, and this is important, in the city was required to be a member of a trade guild in order to be employed. Being a member of a trade guild brought much prosperity and success to the tradesmen. However, becoming a member meant to associate with the practices of the heathen population which lived and operated in the city. This meant attending and associating with the guild members in pagan temples, feasting there 
engaging in sexual promiscuity with male and female temple prostitutes. Being a member of a trade guild meant that you have to, had to worship in these pagan temples. And of course, part of that worship was sexual immorality. Now, the Christian believers who were consecrated to Christ, they would not, in order to honor Jesus, become members of these guilds. And so this created suspicion and animosity among the pagan population. And refusing to join a trade union meant a very diminished income and created a difficult task providing for the Christian family. But these faithful believers, they were willing to endure the diminishment of income to care for their families in order to honor Christ and remain faithful to him. And by the way, the first convert of Paul in Europe at Philippi was a seller of purple from Thyatira, and her name was Lydia. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's get let's get right into the word of God now. Verse uh, Revelation chapter two, beginning in verse 18. <clears throat> And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. Now, this term Son of God is only mentioned here in the book of Revelation. And it's a reference to the deity of Jesus. However, the title Son of Man is mentioned twice in Revelation 1.13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the waist with a golden girdle. And also in Revelation 14, 14. And I looked and behold a white cloud and him and, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Both of these references refer to Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Verse 19. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Now, when Jesus says the last to be more than the first means that the church was increasing in its ministry. In other words, its ministry outside of the church was growing. And this is good and commendable, and we all, all churches should be doing that. However, the increase of their works did not balance out the evil that existed in the church, the evil that they allowed in the church. And verse 20 tells us what this evil was. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because you suffer that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophet, prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now there was, this is uh, from Dr. William Smith in his Bible dictionary, there was a curious worship of a certain Sambatha which Smith says is referred to in this letter to Thyatira as that woman Jezebel. Now, this woman Jezebel, she prophesied and she taught in the church, and evidently she was recognized as a leader. Some believe that this Jezebel was actually the wife of one of the leaders in the church. She was falsely prophesying and teaching the believers to conform to the society around them. Does that sound familiar today? to engage in their paganism and their idolatrous practices. And Jesus, I mean, Paul warned Timothy about this when he wrote, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits 
and doctrines of devils. Now, doctrines of devils can also be translated as teaching demons. If this Jezebel was the wife of one of the leaders in the church, then Jezebel would be a fit name for her. Jezebel, as we all know, is mentioned prominently in 1 Kings. And it came to pass as if it had not been a light thing for Ahab to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. This Jezebel promoted the worship of Baal throughout the southern kingdom. She supported the prophets of the idol god. She put to death many of the prophets of Jehovah, all that she could lay her hands on. She even threatened Elijah when she found out what Elijah had done to the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. She wanted to cut off his head, just like uh, the prophets of Baal had their heads cut off. Also, in the city of Thyatira, they were steeped in emperor worship, the Roman gods. And those within, notice this, those within and without the church who ran after these idols would think it would be odd of sanctified Christians not to run with them, participating and joining in their debauchery in the pagan temples. And I'm sure that these people that were, these Christians that were following Jezebel, amen, that they thought, well, nothing's going to happen to me. I mean, I don't see any lightning striking me from heaven. And they thought it was all right. Well, it wasn't all right. Jesus said it wasn't all right. And the Apostle Peter warned the church concerning refraining from sin and maintaining godly separation. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Now, verse 21. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. The Holy Spirit was spoken to by the Holy Spirit to repent and turn from her sin and deceit. But Jesus says she refused to do it. And it is the mercy of God that always gives believers who err, whether it be in sin or promoting false doctrines. God always gives the people of God time to repent. And Paul warns the believers, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church, said this in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. For somebody to be washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, to turn around and serve these idols, it's an abomination. So to refuse the admonition of the Lord to repent, especially when the Holy Spirit speaking to that individual to do so invites the judgment of God upon that person. Now, verse 22. <clears throat> Behold, 
I will cast her into a bed and then commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So the Jezebel of Thyatira, because of her refusal to repent, will be judged and was judged by the Lord if she didn't repent. Now, this word cast into a bed, the Greek word bed is clean It's a singular feminine noun in the accusative, and it implies a bed of sickness. And this interpretation now conforms with Paul's writing to the Corinthians. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, many sleep. The Corinthians were dying prematurely. Why? Because of their sin. They did not discern the Lord's body during communion. And that's a serious thing. That's why we don't allow sinners to take communion. So those in the church who were following her and those who follow these same demon spirit today will be thrown into great tribulation if they do not repent of their sin. Now, verse 23, and I will kill her children with death, talking about the followers of Jezebel. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and hearts, and I will give to every one of you according to your works. Now, when Jesus said, I will kill her children with death, in other words, what he's saying is I'm going to wipe you out. If you don't repent, this woman Jezebel, I'm going to wipe her out. Amen. And I'm going to wipe all of her followers out, all of her, quote, disciples. And that's serious business. To kill her children with death is the Greek word apoktano. And it means to kill so as to put the individual or individuals out of the way. I'm going to remove you, in other words. And it's interesting to note in Ezekiel 33, 27. Let me go ahead and read it. Say thou thus unto them, thus saith the Lord God, as I live, surely they that are in the waste shall fall by the sword. And him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured. And they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of pestilence. This word pestilence in Ezekiel thirty-three twenty-seven in the Septuagint is the Greek word apoktano. The same word. So that implies the kind of method that the Lord will allow to come upon people, amen, who sin against him, especially those in the church. We have to remember that judgment always begins in the house of God. So Jesus is speaking to those in the church at Thyatira who are following Jezebel. Now, the Lord Jesus, if these followers of Jezebel don't repent, mend their ways, he said, I will kill them with death. I will put them out of the way. And this should not seem strange to us because in the Old Testament, it was Jehu who God ordained, who captured the throne of Israel after the death of Ahab and not only executed Jezebel, but also killed all the prophets of Baal that were under her authority and protection. So to kill her children with death is future. The timing of their death is uncertain. Maybe they repented of their evil and God forgave and cleansed them. Or maybe they refused to repent and became weak and sickly and died prematurely because of their sin. Without repentance and cleansing through the Holy Spirit, God's future judgment was awaiting them. And Jesus said, And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts. Jesus knows. 
the Lord Jesus will judge sin, especially sins that destroy the church. Any person or persons who destroys God's temple, the church, to him or to them, whichever, God will destroy. Church wreckers. Paul said this to the Corinthian church. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And this word destroy, uh, out of 1 Corinthians 3.17 that I just read, it means to shrivel, it means to wither, it means to spoil or to ruin. So it's important to note that Jesus said, I will give to every one of you, specifically speaking to those who are practicing sin and refusing to repent according to your works. The judgment of Christ will affect all men to the saved, the reward of eternal life. To the unsaved or to the apostate, the reward of eternal punishment. Now, it is interesting also to note that at one time, the entire city of Thyatira was Christian. But now, today, no church exists in this city. Only the crumbled remains of that which died many years ago. And that's a sad, sad epitaph upon a church. Now, verse 24. But I say unto you and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. These were believers in the church at Thyatira who would not accept the evil ministry of the woman Jezebel. Now, the leadership of the church tolerated her when they should have cast her out of the church. They should have had nothing to do with her unless she repented. But the believers were not a part of the leadership of the church. They had nowhere to go. But still, they refused to listen to her or yield to her adultery. And the Lord is comforting those who remain faithful to Christ, commending them for not holding to the doctrine of Jezebel and choosing Christ over knowing the depths of Satan. Now, the depths of Satan is a very important term. The human race knew the depths of Satan in Noah's day, and God destroyed all of them except for faithful Noah and his family, eight souls. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah knew the depths of Satan and were destroyed by fire. Only Lot and his two daughters escaped. The Canaanites of Jericho and Ai knew the depths of Satan, and God destroyed them all except for Rahab the harlot. Heretics always will claim to have a deeper understanding of the things of God, but their actions prove that they have no knowledge of the divine Godhead at all. And they ridicule and mock the true believers of Jesus, but God knows their sin and will judge them according to their works. And we know that all that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution, but the promise to those who endure and remain faithful to him they will not be hurt by the second death. Verse 25, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. To hold fast is translated from the Greek word krate sate, and it means to gain the victory over. It means to have power over, to be chief of, or to become master over the evil one and his evil that exists in the world. This includes, includes gaining the mastery over seducing spirit and doctrines of demons. The same spirits that operate through the Jezebels of this world, female and male alike, and the doctrines that they teach. 
through faith in the Lord Jesus, refusing to bow our knee to the principalities and powers of this present evil world, we stand, and having done all to stand, we continue to stand against the evil spirit powers of this age. And the spirit of Jezebel was the same spirit operating in the Nicolaitans, the same spirit working through the followers of the spirit of Balaam. The devil has nothing new. What worked then works now. The same spirit that was working in the churches of Asia Minor to destroy them is the same spirit that's working in the church today. This spirit we are to contend against and we are to overcome. And Christ warns all believers to hold fast till I come or until I come. Now, the Lord Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour that I'll return. But he tells us exactly what to do. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man coming. As long as we're looking up for the imminent return of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to stay away from sin. Those who get themselves into sin start practicing sin as a way of life, get behind pulpits teaching false doctrine. They stopped looking up. And that's very dangerous. Verse 26, he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. So we ask ourselves this question, do we want to share in the kingdom to come? Do we want to have a share in the millennium kingdom with Christ, who is the one who will give to the overcoming church the right to rule with him over the nations? Then we have to overcome in this age in order to reign with Christ in the age to come. Now, we are overcomers, and because we're overcomers, we are gaining victory every day over the powers of darkness. Christ exhorts his followers to keep my works until the end. Now, what works is the Lord speaking of? Well, the first work is to continue to believe on Christ. The chief work we do is the work of the Father, and that's carrying the gospel to those who are walking in darkness, those who are stumbling in the darkness. The works the Lord commended the church at Thyatira for were works that were initiated by him through the Holy Spirit. Every person that is truly born again has a desire in him to tell others about the great things the Lord has done for him. Now, it's not works to get us saved. It's faith in Christ that does. However, once we are saved, there is in us a desire to do the works of the Lord. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Amen. God gives us the works to do to glorify the Father. Now, in today's world, the church doesn't seem to be very important. But in the days ahead, when leanness comes and the institutions that we thought were strong and well fortified begin to crumble, once again, the church will become very important. Remember the Sunday after 9-11. The churches of this nation were filled. And because of that tragedy, people flocked to the church for comfort and for solace. Remember when we were children and we got into trouble, what did we do? We ran home to mama for protection. And we must understand this, that there will be other 9-11s in our future. But the writer of Proverbs tells us what to do. He said, and he wrote, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. 
And so our prayer for our nation, that when trouble comes, that we'll run to this strong tower instead of running away from it. Amen. Verse 27. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Now, the phrase word of iron is mentioned four times in the book of Revelation. In chapter 2, verses 9 and 27. In chapter 12, verse 5. In chapter 19, verse 15. All four passages speak specifically of Christ. And it's the psalmist that said this, speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of Christ. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me. And I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uppermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. So this passage of scripture tells us today, amen, what our involvement is going to be in the millennium to subdue the kingdoms and rule them with a rod of iron. We're going to help Christ do that. So it's Christ who will rule the nations and those who have overcome the world will reign with him. Amen. Paul writing to Timothy said this. This is a faithful saying. For if we die with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. See what Jezebel, the woman Jezebel and the, those following Jezebel what they were doing, they were denying Christ. Even though they claimed to be Christians, they were denying him in works. And Paul says this, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And then finally, verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. Now, the morning star is Christ himself. We know that from Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. And as the Lord will give to the victorious overcoming church a share of the glory to come, so the Lord is promising to the same overcoming believers a share of himself throughout eternity. So then the morning star is the star of the morning, the star that will never go down over the horizon. Jesus will be the light of the new heavens and the new earth. And he is and ever shall be the morning star. And every overcoming believer will have his share in him throughout eternity, a world without end. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Is that you? Are you an overcomer? Or have you been compromising the word of God by living like maybe somebody had taught you to live, that you can sin and, and you don't even have to repent because you've already been forgiven and you can go on and just do whatever you want to do. Amen. That See, that is the doctrine of Jezebel, that woman Jezebel. That is a teaching demon. That is a doctrine of seducing spirits. God commanded us to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. God expects us to walk holy in this life and to do the works of the Savior and to do the works of the Father. And that is to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and get as many people saved as we possibly can. Amen. So if you've been compromising, repent. Get your life right. Get it straightened out right now. 
Just say, confess, Father, I've been dabbling in things I shouldn't be dabbling in, and I'm asking you to forgive me right now. Cleanse me. God always heals the backsliders. The apostates, if they turn to Christ, God will heal them and set them free. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We give you praise and honor and glory for this thy word, Lord. Apply it, we apply it to our heart that we might learn and know not to sin against thee. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.